We're live at the North Ave Diner in Wakefield, Massachusetts. We're gonna start this now, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie, it took me a long time to finish this movie. Yeah, you take forever to watch not, most of the movies. Not always. This one was particularly difficult for me to get through. Why? Um, I just, I've been really busy, I think. I watched it in three parts, so why'd you choose it? Um, three reasons. One, it's been on my list for a bit because I caught wind of it browsing around movies and I just, I saw it and I like the fact that it was like like a debut movie of like literally everybody involved. It's like the first like on-screen appearance for like Kevin Bacon, um, Paul Reiser, Mickey Rourke, um, and the rest. I mean the rest of the cast. Mar from Home Alone. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna ask if you knew that. I I took me until the like midway point to recognize that that was Marv, which yeah. has added an entire new meaning to Happy Hanukkah, Marv. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it was like they're they're all like big screen debut, which I thought was really cool, and like the fact that like literally the whole main cast actually went on to have very successful careers following. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Like that doesn't happen. That's pretty rare, especially for yeah, one for a first time even, film like that. I never even heard of this one. Yeah, do you know what you want? Yeah, what do you, but you go first. Oh, that's okay. We can share. What do you What are you getting? Uh, you go first. I I'm gonna wait for his decision and then make mine. Oh, well, that's. Not good though. I think I'll do the chicken farm wrap. Chicken farm wrap? Yeah. Okay, and that comes with chips. Chips? Um, not fries, chips. Yeah. Okay. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna split some fries, but I'll see what he gets first. Um, I'll do the steak tip Caesar wrap. Okay, steak tip Caesar wrap. Do you yep. want the chips? Uh, no. Well, yeah, we're gonna so split. Do one with chips, one with fries. Yeah, that'd be uh, sure. Why not? Awesome. Sounds great. Right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks right. so much. Cool. Thank you. I didn't um, see an option for gravy. <laughs> <laughs> so just for people, if they've seen the movie or not, every time the the boys are at the diner, they order French fries with gravy, and we were trying to do that to be really in the diner setting like this movie, but uh, that's who, not going to happen. Who told you about this movie, or how did you find out about it? Or are you just a fan of one of the guys in it, and that's why you watched it? None of the above. No. I was literally on, oh, I know. I was on Voodoo, the streaming, on-demand streaming service thing, and they're having a sale for food-related movies. And that was, came up? It was a mix and match. It was like three for 15 bucks, and that was one of the options. Like, this sounds cool. So what were the other two it. movies with it? I got Good Burger. <laughs> Good Burger. And, uh, Is that the one with the... Keenan and Kel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got Good Burger, and I got um, Big Night. No, no, big it's night. like a 90s comedy with Stanley Tucci. Oh, okay. Uh, it's two brothers from Italy, like, in a, having a restaurant. I do know, I do know, like I do know it. Yeah, oh, I know okay. it. I know the cover immediately. Stanley Tucci and food. Isn't there, like, a Stanley Tucci makes sh- cocktails, like, thing that you were telling me about once? Oh, yeah. It was for, uh, it's like Adobe Creative, like, summit that they had. Oh, Adobe Max. Yeah. He had a whole bit telling you how to make old-fashioned. That's so funny. Um... Mm. But so this movie's been on your list because you just know the actors and you saw it in that in the voodoo package. So it's been in my collection, and I was like, it's, "Yeah, dude, I, I want to watch this one." It was day. it was actually really cool to watch a film again that I haven't heard of. Like I I think like a theme that we've been going on with this season is that like we're watching a lot of things that like are older, generally so far. Like besides maybe Raging Fire, which is one of the only fewer new films we watched that I just didn't like. But mm-hmm. all the other ones we've been watching are pretty old. Um, and the cool thing about that is you're discovering hidden gems. Yeah. Like, Big Red One was a hidden gem. I had never seen anything with Mark Hamill outside of Star Wars and the yeah, Kingsman. Yeah. Isn't he in Amer- you, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm pretty sure he has an American graffiti as well. Never saw it. No. That's like the first George Yeah, it's with film. Harrison Ford as well. Yeah. But so, like, it's kind of fun because I never heard of this movie. So when you brought it up, I was like, oh, kind of cool. And I wanted to go into it without watch, like knowing anything about it. So I didn't read anything. I didn't know who was in it. I just turned it on. But I did see the poster, and it did make me think it was a mafia movie. Because <laughs> they're all like in tuxedos around a table. Yeah, right. Turns out it's just a wedding. Yeah. But 
Turns out it's the wedding of Don Corleone's daughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Um, but well, like, yeah. And the other reason I liked it, or I wanted to watch it too, is because like it's very, um, like it's like an OG kind of like mumblecore, like Linklater type movie. Yeah, it's definitely. You see the early scenes and of Linklater. Like, yeah, it like reminded me. It gave me like the vibe of like the Dilettantes vibe. So I was like, like it's like a first time movie for all these big name play, big name actors. The vibe in a way is very similar to Dilettantes, which is also soon to be considered a first time movie for big name filmmakers such as <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the cast hopefully so um no that's, saw, i saw parallels in it so i wanted to watch it and talk about it in terms of the way that it was made or like the story overall um like the the trajectory of the story not the story i totally agree i it was there was something about the film I mean, let's go into what we normally go into, like breaking down the cinematography, editing, acting type of things. There was something about the com- combination of all of it that was really melancholic is too obvious because it takes place in the 50s or nostalgic, but wholesome or like comforting, like uh-huh. weird comfort food. You feel like a diner. like it, but Yeah, but like yeah. exactly like a diner. But that it executed that very well, I thought, which was cool. Like it was one of those movies that just makes you feel kind of at home regardless of how you think about the the other elements of it like the way it was put together i i like that i could see the kind of the uh the appeal in that story and the early forms of mumblecore that's what mumblecore does right it kind yeah. of makes you feels like you're in someone else's house just chilling sort of feeling yeah right there's no rising actions for the most part it's just characters no. being characters this being one people. has a little bit a couple of them a couple of them yeah but like you know, no, no, nothing actually like raising the stakes. It's just like it's kind of goofy. Yeah. You know, like the actions that happen are like said that it the was marital a, problems and a, whatnot. A ten tup, ten ten tuplet. What what the fuck did you say it was part of? I think it's four. What whatever that whatever that is. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of it, but. It's the first of, I think, four movies, or it's the first of four other movies that um, Google it. the filmmaker uh, it was the did filmmaker. that he uh, based on his hometown Barry of Baltimore. Barry Le- Levinson. Yeah, Barry Levinson. So, like, um, it, each one takes place in a different decade in Baltimore, and this was the first one that he made. This was the first one? Yeah. When was the last one he made released? Good question. If my phone would work, I could tell you. You open the Wikipedia page. It looks like one this of is what it's been looking like lately. Like a dead phone. Like a phone that's just not working at all. Um, but what do you think about the the overall vibe, cinematography feeling? Did you get that same kind of like you know, comfort food diner feeling? Did it execute that well to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was like a good. It was a more like mature teen eighties movie in a way. Because obviously these guys are fairly—they're young adults. They're around college. They're—they're—they're they're, they're, yeah. They're all like 20, 21. This, this guy did Rain Man. Yeah, yeah. He's a—he's a big name filmmaker. This was like one of his first things. Wag the dog. Also, my dad has recommended me seeing Good Morning Vietnam. The Wizard of Lies. Eighty years old. Barry Levinson. Interesting. We didn't know that. He does seems to work with the same types of people. It did kind of start out weird. It did, yeah. I, I got confused on the timeline of everything. I, but I, then I started to figure it out. I have to say that I'm a huge Paul Reiser guy. We talked about this. Paul Reiser has a way of talking that's just soft-spoken, soft-spoken yet also uh, assertive. He... he claims a presence but not by raising his voice and it's again that it's that comfort feeling it's like another example just smaller one of like what the film's doing as a whole it's like your favorite uncle yeah and starting out the film with him with his character Modell walking into that party like those tracking shots going through Mm -hmm. them loved it like that what, what a great opener and this is a weird pull but that that was kind of how we wanted to start Dilettantes we never got to but if you remember, we had a oh, scene like in the move-in? No, we had a scene in Dilettantes where it would co- it would start with a party. Oh, there would right. be a crane shot that came down, followed this yeah. kid into. We were the, gonna have a yeah, crane. Yeah, this is we were gonna have a crane slash drone shot if we could ever do this. But the idea was to have 
a kid walking into a house party. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. Let's not laugh it off because I still would use no, that I'm scene. Laughing at some about point. the idea, like our our ability to actually do that, pull this off. But it was exactly the type of thing in film that I enjoy, and clearly, I think a lot of people enjoy because that opening scene with Paul Reiser was so enjoyable to watch, like tracking into this party, and then like a wide over-expanding view of what's going on in the scene. Even if the scene, not much is going on, it's just beautiful to see that and it really, it feels like an invitation into the into the world. Yeah. But yeah, so the scene we wanted to do in Dilettance was very similar where we would start outside of uh, a house if I always envisioned it in my head and it would be up at the tree line on the other side of the road right. and a kid would walk up the front steps to a house and enter it and as he was walking up the camera would pan down over his shoulder and follow him into the house and track him from the front room, maybe go left into the living room, then go sh- right straight into the dining room, and then eventually ask someone where his girlfriend was. Stay tuned to the next episode to find out where his girlfriend would have been if we got to make dilettantes the way we wanted to. But that was exactly the shot. Like, pretty much what they did with Paul Reiser was almost the exact same thing. And that's yeah. maybe why I liked it so much. That was a great way to open it. It really was. It got a little weird with Kevin Bacon punching out windows for no reason. But he seemed like the wild card of the group. Yeah, he absolutely is. He is the wild card. And it, His honestly, character didn't make a lot of sense to me. I actually think that he was my least favorite out of all of them. I was going to say his performance was really good. Really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe the yeah, distinction between the performance and the character. But when you think about it, though, one thing that's... And it's not um, an uncommon thing nowadays, but it's this is also an '80s movie, so it's it's before a lot of pop culture things like Friends and whatnot. But this friend group, there's a lot of pop culture things in the '80s, though. I'm it's taking I'm, place I'm in the '50s. About, it's taking place in the '50s, if that's what you mean. No, I meant like pop culture, like tropes that we've grown to know and love that are very commonplace nowadays, like. I'm saying like friends, yeah. like the dynamic of friends, they're all very different. Um, and you can see yourself and your friends and those people. I had the same with this group of people. Uh, they're very, they all have their, their very uniform thing of the diner, their general friendship and appreciation of each other. But all of them were very different and I could see a friend of mine in each of them in some capacity. I hope not in all capacities. Because there's some elements of these characters. No, no. Yeah. No, it's just like their general, like, <laughs> like Kevin Bacon, the wild card. He's also the one who has no direction in life, but you can tell from the scene of him watching the trivia show. He's also very smart. He just has doesn't have the drive and desire. All right, good point. Himself. Yeah, so elements of the characters are very relatable. Yeah. So, which makes for a good mumblecore film. Um, all right, fair enough. Yeah, so... You got the ones who jump the gun too quick in life and are married and miserable or at least you think they are you got the ones who are at that stage and questioning everything about it and looking for guidance and then you got i think tim daly is just like the average joe who's like he's just kind of in the middle of it all which one is tim daly uh billy the best man oh yeah yeah who who, like drives in yeah Yeah, he's yeah from college He's like the most normal, I'd say. The rest of them are like, they have their weird things. They have their problems. I mean, his I mean, problem Boog, is he, he's trying to find love. Yeah, Boog was a total ass. And I mean, they were all kind of asses at some point. But they're also like, it's, I have a, sometimes I have a hard time in the 80s, unless it's a teen movie, to separate like their age because I think to myself like this is old they look old but they're all like in their 20s but they're literally like maybe 21 at the oldest yeah I know but they're also playing characters in the 50s which back then 21 like right I mean my grandfather at 21 was like a full time dad like I mean right I know you know it's so it's a totally different world but full disclaimer on the film before we go further with the you know the qualities and attributes of it of it as a film this is a very much boys will be boys sort of story mm-hmm. that is there's a lot of redactable shit in this <laughs> this story let's say you know yeah. like if we're being honest it's of its time yeah it's of its time it's a period piece at this point and uh, I don't I, I don't think it would offend people though I do really oh yeah absolutely everything about it not everything about it, but I, mean, I think I mean, it a couple be. scenes, sure. No, quite a bit. I think a lot of it. 
Like what? Well, I didn't want to get into this so early. <laughs> I wanted to move into. We all don't the, even have our food yet. So I didn't even want. I, I wanted to get. I, to I wanted. I wanted to go into like the things that make it a decent film, and then kind of look at the char- the, the elements and the characteristics that make it a really shitty film. Like yes, in terms of. We want to do it. We can do it. No, in, in not shitty film meaning like it's a bad movie, but shitty film in the sense that like it w- it was made for its time. Oh, thank you so much. Sweet, thank you. More coffee or something else to drink? Uh, more coffee is great, yeah, thank you. Um, so, are you okay? Yeah. Do you like salt and pepper? I do. Cool. Um, so acting-wise, I thought it was pretty great. It was awesome to see Marv and something else. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like that was that was one of my favorite parts, and I agree with what you said. They really distinct, di- like distinguished who is who with different characteristics. None of them are none two are the same. Uh-uh. I never got confused about what was going on when one was on screen because their situations were so different. No, I did come away thinking that most of them, besides Billy, were pieces of shit. I mean, thank you so much. Can I also have some more water or some water, please? Thank you. I will. I think the only one I didn't think that of was B. Modell, and also like Eddie was on the fence because like he honestly just seemed like someone who was so wrapped up in his own life that he couldn't he couldn't take the time to think for himself. So it's like that manic sort of like you're young and yeah, you're you know to what? Move it looked forward, like it looked you like you can't settle down with yourself. Eddie was the one that if they were gonna make this more like skins or more like modern day, he would be the one suffering from some sort of like mental. Um, Thank you so much. Mental, uh, uh, I don't want to say disease. Like, what am I trying to say? Like, disorder? Huh? Disorder? Yeah, issue? Disorder. Yeah, yeah, issue. Like, bipolar or depression or something like that. He kind of, like, had qualities of that character. Very manic. Yeah. And some, very uh, manic. Um, he's trying to, he's trying to speed up in his life, but also wants to slow down. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes is when they're like arguing who's going to get the other half of his sandwich. Mm-hmm. And Modell is just like, you're going to eat that? And it sends him down a rabbit hole of getting pissed off that he's just not asking him directly. <laughs> That's a very, very common characteristic in a lot of people I know. Right? Like, just ask me. Like, oh, very nice. Huh. I'm like that. Or when Modell needs a ride. Mm. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Those scenes I really liked. Yeah, I thought a lot of like the dialogue and characters. I'm curious if it was a lot of improv, uh, improvisation because they did a good job of feeling like a group of friends that have known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I did find that a lot of the laughter, like when you can tell when friendships are really difficult to sell in a story, they're not grounded enough. Right. The and like a real, yeah, the chemistry is not there, or you know, the characters are the actors are just not really like showing that they've known each other for a long time, or the dialogue is just not representative of people that know each other for a long time. You know, like the way you and I talk is different to someone I've just met. Um, so that was interesting. That that came off really well. Like another great scene was, uh, oh man, Kevin Bacon's character. Yeah. What's his name? Oh. Fenwick. Fenwick and uh, Shrevey in the car and they're talking about album covers and they're laughing and it just comes off so genuine because like, of course that's what they'd be talking about. We just saw a scene with Shrevey like freaking out about his albums. So like, yes, of course he would know the album covers and like record labels that released them, right? So I really like that. But yeah, if you were to ask me, I do think it would offend a lot of people today. I mean... Dick in the popcorn box. Oh, yeah. Hiding in the closet. Just don't do that. Hiding in the closet to see their friend, like, bang a girl. Betting over who can sleep with a girl. Discussing how, uh, the first time you were when you were copping a feel. And, like, just trying, copping a feel. How old you were the first time you copped a feel. I don't think that would offend someone. That's, like... The story in which Eddie tells is not a a story. Oh, the story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that this movie... What makes it, I don't think, hold up in that light compared to other movies that... I was thinking about this in the car. Other movies that do hold up that way. Like, if you watch Days and Confused, it, there's nothing in Days and Confused that doesn't feel like it's a story that could be made today. But it's because it's focusing on guys and girls at an even level. And this director is solely focusing on a group of boys. 
and pretty much subjecting all the women to whatever these boys are doing and pretty tone deafly. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. And and I would say almost pretty tone deafly. So I'm not trying to say the director didn't know like about the inner workings of men and women, but if you were to ask me based off this movie alone, I would say this guy has no idea about women. Like one of Boog's character traits is I want to be a lawyer because it impresses women mm-hmm. type of shit, right? He I think this director just doesn't have a good grasp on like female characters, essentially. There's female characters like he puts his dick. Oh, he puts his dick in the box, and then the next fucking thing is that. Sorry, you made me think of dick in the box. I'm sorry, yeah, dick in the popcorn box. He puts his dick in the popcorn box, boogie, and then the next fucking scene is he somehow gets her to believe that it was no other option and goes back in the theater with him. That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the only one that actually played well next to the male counterparts was uh, Billy's like love mm-hmm. interest. She was a strong-headed woman who I was, was making gonna... decisions. I was gonna say she, she's probably the on, the only one. Eddie's mom, I guess. She's the mom. The whole test that Eddie makes his uh, future wife give is another place that I don't think everyone would take offense to, but a lot of people might look at it and be like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That like this is the thing that needs to be focused on, and like it's not like she has any test to give to him because all she wants is to get married, mm-hmm. and he's the one questioning it. It just looks. I found that concept funny, and I can like I thought it was ridiculous. But because it was ridiculous, that's why I found it funny. It's like that's his that's his line if he wants to marry this woman or not is based on her football knowledge. And the character, and like again, if you were to write that today, the character trait of Eddie being someone who is mentally unstable would fit really well into something so OCD centric of as like you need to know as much football knowledge as me. In order to even be close to, uh, like, marry me. Do you want to switch one and one or no? Oh, I mean, sure. Do you not like it? No, I do. Do you I want just, me to suffer? No, no, I, I do. I was just curious. Do you want half chicken parm and I do have? Sure. Why not? We make a cute couple. There we go. Nice. Nice. This is good, though. This is really good. Yeah, that wrap. Steak wrap's good. Um... Gotta come back here. Yeah, we needed, needed a good donut to open past 2 p.m. You think we're gonna get in trouble for music license, licensing? No. Okay. We have no control over it. <laughs> we just drown it out so you can't, there's nothing. There's no sound. But yeah, so I do think if you were to show this movie to a lot of people, there would be some sort of, well, offense taken to it. Regarding the football thing, I would say people get offense to it if they're not open-minded to just like like a jarring piece of comedy, like because it's it's just such a ridiculous request. And if like if you're looking at that surface level and not thinking to yourself a little beyond it, like it's just it's one of those things where it also speaks to his character. That's how nervous he is to get married. That he needs to do some. He needs to find an excuse almost not to not right. to get married. Look, I agree with all those points. I disagree with the whole comic element though, because where the comedy is based in, like where the where the root of that comic joke is, is this woman needs to do something in order to get married. As ridiculous as a football quiz, that's funny, but it's the concept in twenty twenty two of making like. Uh, specifically a woman do a quiz to get married is that's the root of the issue there so the, the well, joke yeah for sure the joke doesn't really I think fly that much anymore but that's a smaller one compared to the bigger kind of grievances there's the other small one is like the first scene is Modell the first scene is Modell asking the girl to please go home with uh, mm. uh, Fenwick mm-hmm. because like his ego's hurt and that's another one that would probably get a lot of people upset. Like, I don't know why I noticed those things. I think it's because we're filmmakers and you have to pay attention to that stuff nowadays. Like, just yeah. hypercritical of it. But it, I did I did catch those things where I think, like, this goes beyond being a boy movie. You know I will defend Jaws and Jurassic Park all day as an everybody movie, not a boy movie. It's an action film, but it's for everyone. But this is this is definitely a boys movie. Like a boys will be boys movie, for sure. And you got to be okay with that at some elements. However, 
Now, I don't think this is autobiographical of Barry Levinson because no. I don't know how old he was in the 50s. But, like, if it is based on something, whether that's his own friend group growing up in Baltimore or it his probably dad is. or something, it's like I think about that stuff because, like, then I think about the movie mid 90s, Jonah Hill's directorial debut from yeah. 2019. And that movie got a lot of flack because it had the uh, F word, the gay slur mm-hmm. in it. But that was just indicative. That was just like general jargon that teenagers were using in the 90s. And it got oh, like, it no, got I totally, blown up. I totally agree to that. So like, there's just some times where like actions and like dialogue that's questionable nowadays. Like it's, it's a weird, it's a gray area of like. That's a good counter argument. I mean, look. I, I agree with that also in like slavery biopics like Django right yeah it's part of like what what the world was at that time but it's also got to be at some point critically analyzing what that meant true and I think that mid 90s did do that a little bit there's a sort of like brotherhood in those boys that gets questionable at some points with like like his older brother being possibly like homosexual or his friend the one that he gets in a fight with possibly being homosexual so there's sort of commentary towards it right versus where I don't really feel that there's a lot of commentary in this one it's just like well, I, I will say in, in light of like how the word was used though in mid 90s it wasn't for anything like that like accusation it was just like accusational no you're right yeah it's literally just like skater teenage 90 jargon shit you're totally right so, but yeah, uh, most movies, especially that are, that are period pieces, especially if they're made in like the eighties, you know, they're gonna be a lot. There's gonna be questionable stuff. I think maybe what kind of threw me off was like, what kind of threw me off a little bit was sometimes like an eighties movie. Normally, we'll have a questionable scene. Anyone. Think of all John- the John Hughes movies. Exactly. I'm saying, yeah, they all have questionable scenes. But it's usually one. It's usually one, maybe two. Sometimes they're pretty big, though. Like, 16 Candles has two pretty major. Which one? The one where, like, the... Well, the Long Duck Dong. Mm-hmm. Just him. <laughs> and then the whole thing with Anthony Michael Hall and, like, the, the drunk girl. His whole plot line is dealing with her and like but why he's with her in the first place is like that sort of guaranteed mm-hmm. sex with a drunk girl totally who can right. barely sit up straight you're totally right but you know what's really really funny isn't that like doesn't he like pretend to be her boyfriend at one point or something I that think movie? So. it's funny that people brought that up in wonder woman 1984 oh yeah yeah because of uh chris pine's character when she was was it she takes over someone and they have sex or something mm-hmm. like that or he does his mind is in another person, that, and they is. sleep together, so they technically abuse that person's body. Can't do that. There's a lot of rules nowadays, man. But going back to this movie, it did make some of the, like, it did make it kind of difficult to look at some characters and, like, see them for their good qualities, particularly Book. The well, only yeah. good quality about bad place. Like literally, the only good part about Book was his soft-spoken voice and the fact that it's Mickey Rourke and he doesn't look anything like that anymore. I know, dude. I looked him up <laughs> when I was watching. I was like, I knew he had work done, but like, holy shit! If I didn't recognizable, if Unrecognizable. I didn't know that was, if I didn't know that ahead of time, I would never have known. Like, I've seen one other out. movie with him when he was younger, and it's crazy. Like he just looks so different. He was a very handsome guy. Like, why would he do it? I don't. But. All the elements that try to make him redeemable, like him not going through with the bet, it's all undercut by the fact that that existed in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a messed up thing to do that just, like, cutting it halfway through doesn't necessarily make you a better person, you know? He's like a, I'd say he's like a worse, don't take offense, a worse Archie, where, mm-hmm. like, he has he has, like, this sense of morality but it gets drowned out by his bad decisions. And Archie is someone who makes bad decisions, but is trying to be better about it. He kind of can't help himself. And Archie's kind of just like a victim of his environment, like of what's going on around him. 
You just gave me a really scary thought that, like, in 20 years, Archie's character will be not allowed anymore. <laughs> you, never realize the that the, you never realize that the progression just keeps going and leaves you behind. And then eventually you're just left in the dust. Like, I'm sure this guy didn't make this movie. Like, this will be questionable one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Yeah, thank God half this band is dead. Otherwise, we'd probably have to pay a lot of royalties. Uh, the real estate, or the estate, you might call. But yeah. So they're big fans. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that was a little distracting. Like, like with the other films that we've watched, they've had some scenes like that a little bit. Not big red uh, one, but in particular, like uh, Once Upon a Time in America. But I really think that that movie, if you stick through all the rough parts. The commentary of that film is that eventually it shows you that that type of life is so evil, which we talked about in our podcast. They get their comeuppance. This one, not really much. Like, what happens? Like, Book gets bailed out. Eddie does get married because of a technicality. Well, Um, I think... uh, Fenwick is just... Fenwick is his name? Fenwick, yeah. Fenwick is just going to go fuck shit up in Europe instead of America. Right. I would argue the thing with Eddie, though, is like, why he did that is not I think he kind of realized that the um, the qualification to get married with this test I think he understood he, after coming away from it because it's not like immediately where he comes around to it he's either at the diner he mentions it is that he realized this probably was a pretty ridiculous request and he does actually want to marry this woman yeah he was in over. He was like, he was just scared, and now he's not scared. Yeah, that's a good read. I think that the weird part is that all the best scenes were not in the diner. Well, I mean, my favorite conversation yeah. was in the diner. The turkey sandwich thing is hilarious. That was roast beef. That roast beef, but that is a gen. That is a joke that can continue on because that's really funny, and that's mm-hmm. such a that's such a quality. Like you know the person that says those things rather than being straightforward. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I think the Fenwick flipping the car thing was already the point at which I was like, "This guy's like awful character." Like, just well, that's what that's the, that's the thing. That's why it fits his character though, because he's just like he's the wild card and but always is, trying for a joke and like that, that not threw, trying to be serious. That threw me off just because like that is such an unrealistic practical joke. Oh yeah, I don't know how the hell he could have done. That. No, that's what I mean. With it's way over the, the top. And how does he fix it? He just says, "I'll buy at the diner," and they're like, "Cool." Like, could you imagine if you had pretended to be in a mutilating car accident <laughs> and then you're like, "My treat, man." It's the fifties, man. Let me, buy, <laughs> let me buy you this ten dollar wrap. Make it up to you. Uh, it was the 50s. It was probably more like $4. It's true. If not less. But one thing, you're right. The, the, most of the best scenes were outside of the diner. But what I liked, the diner was like the uh, was like the safe zone in a way. Like when they're outside of it, all their life and all the issues that they're dealing with in each of their individual lives obviously come to light. They have to deal with it. They need to figure them, their shit out. But then when they get together and go to the diner, it's like all that goes out the way. And it's just them like decompressing and just like forgetting about their problems for a bit. And just hanging yeah. out at their, the one place they call home. You're right. I feel like the nice thing about this movie, and I mean, it's just in the title as well, is like a diner is such a quintessential American thing. It doesn't really exist anywhere else. It's and it's really a staple. And I don't know about you, but in high school, like I would always go to the Shell oh, yeah. Diners, like when we were kids. Like after school, I'd go. Yeah, or I would go on the weekend and get some pancakes. Like yeah. my friend would do. Uh, my mom went after maple prom. syrup shots. Shots? No way. Yeah. My my mom went. My mom went after prom. Like everyone went at four a.m. and had like food. I I debated working in the. Uh, was it the Riverdale Diner? Yeah, I debated because it was an all nighter. I thought about working at it at night during school. Sadly, not anymore. Is it closed down? No, it's just not they change their hours. I think it's midnight. It's kind of I don't know if it's a dying breed. I mean I haven't been stable enough to have like my local diner, but it is something that like still brings a lot of comfort. And those wide shots of every time the diner was rolling around was a comforting feeling. Or just like hanging around it. And it's interesting that 
I don't know enough about the fifties, but like the di- the way they treat the diner is like a mall. Like it was like mm. it's like in the nineties yeah. version of or the eighties and nineties version of a mall. Like just a Absolutely. place that you would just hang out. You know? And I really liked that. I thought that was so it was very comforting whenever you saw those scenes. You know, more so than any other location that they went to. They have that burger scene after the strip club. Oh, yeah. And, like, that place looks kind of nice, but it's not as cozy as, like, being able to sit at the diner and just chill. Right, exactly. But that was the point. Yeah. Because the diner is where they all meet and get together, and life just kind of slows down. It honestly made me want to smoke cigarettes inside of a diner. I haven't had a... I, uh, I can't say I match that desire. But... No, I haven't, like had like desires to smoke at all except for the aesthetic purposes of now doing it in a diner and chilling here all day just get the herbal cigarettes but like reading a paper at a diner and just chilling having like this we're gonna have some pie we're gonna what reading a paper at a diner oh we're gonna have pie what are we doing I don't I'm having dinners in like two hours <laughs> I know me too unfortunately we came here a little late to do the whole like let's sit here for hours have seven cups of coffee and pie I'm gonna crap my brains out if I had seven cups of coffee that'd be amazing I might have one more cup of coffee <laughs> just cause so overall what do you think of it like ranking wise on this year's uh, list of films um, every time you ask me I forget like everything we watch for some reason no we can run through it I mean um, this has been a very very quick session yeah well turns out that the other thing about diners is they always serve you really quickly yes. so you're always in and out in 20 minutes <laughs> uh i I'd, I'd probably put it in in the top top three for the season so far. for you really yeah. i didn't like it that much elements of it i enjoyed but i just couldn't get past the the overall dickiness of the characters in terms of today's standards and I know that there's a lot of again like I'm not saying people shouldn't watch it I don't really believe in that type of attitude things are made when they're made so like if you if you want to see some stuff from other time periods and go watch it it's great you know and I'm glad I saw it but if you weigh this up next to other films that give you that same melancholic sort of comfort feeling it just doesn't hold up to me as much because the characters themselves are just unlikable to today's standards. And that's not always true. Dazed and confused, the characters are not dislikable, except the ones that are meant to be disliked. The, um, fucking even like this pretty much did to me what like Back to the Future does to me. It gives me that 50s like comfort nostalgia type of thing. And that's still a movie that's enjoyed all the time today right or even John Hughes movies there's some sort of levity to them that mm-hmm. makes them more enjoyable and maybe it's because these guys aren't kids so it's like you can kind of excuse the John Hughes characters because they're all kids you know just being kids and doing kids shit versus these guys are like all a bunch of asshole adults like, yeah part of me wonders if, if it was made like nowadays like like th- like this decade so like same age group and like same general consequences but like you know not as problematic mm-hmm. if you look at their behavior in a different light because like people that age or like our age for example are still in situations like that and like not oh, necessarily 100%, 100% I would I would be the first to say that even though I find a lot of the the set pieces in this problematic they're not they're still familiar to like real life and i'm not like i'm not saying that real life still needs to change like i'm not saying that like attitudes today need to change or i'm condemning like today's behavior but i'm saying the characteristics of these guys being like really close friends and getting into trouble and being stupid and like trying to find their way like all the general things that brian brought up is like i can see this recognize this in my friends that's always going to be relatable it's just the more the things they thought were appropriate for the time that are definitely not appropriate anymore. You know, like the dick in the box, man. Come on. Come on. Wait, you don't like that in your porn? No. <laughs> Am I pop porn? No, you pop porn. <laughs> that sounds like old man stuff. My pop porn. That's hilarious. Um... Yeah, but there's other movies that just don't do that. Like, even Grease. Like, 
But you know what? I think the difference as well is like this is a film that you probably would be hard pressed to ever find being made nowadays. It's just about us, like a single group of characters that are not different enough, like in their like social standings or like you know their opinions or like views of the world. They're all very similar. They're just a bunch of like guy friends hanging out. You wouldn't find a movie like that because it's just so one lensed, like from one specific like point of view that doesn't differentiate much yes each character is a little different but their view on the world is pretty much the same versus like greece even though greece has problematic moments like the I, singing like the singing no no but yeah that one song right uh, i've never seen greece never i mean seen i've greece? seen that i've seen my college's rendition of it there's literally a line in greece where um they're talking about sandy and uh I uh, forget his name. John Travolta's character now. I can't remember his name. Um, someone's going to oh, correct uh, me on that. Um, Zuko. Danny Zuko. No. Yeah, can I have yeah. one more cup of coffee, please? Thank you. It was really, really good. Thank you. It's going to bother me if I don't. That's definitely it. No, it's not. What do you mean? Grease. What do you think his name is? Well, why don't you read Danny it? Zuko. Yeah, you were right. Damn. Danny, seen the movie. Dan, Danny and Sandy, yeah. So, like, there's a song in the beginning where they're just talking, and one of Danny's friends just, be, like, was like, I think one of the girls says something like, uh, thank you so much. I'm all set, thank you. She says something like, was it love at first sight? And then one of Danny's friends, like, says in the song, did she put up a fight? And you're like, oh, God. Oh, cringy, cringy, cringy. That's already worse than anything that happened in this movie. <laughs> Not at, by far. <laughs> He's joking. He's joking. But my point is that movie gives you a more dynamic view at the 50s because it's about the guys and the girls, right? Uh, even Back to the Future is like incorporating like Marty's mom as a central character in there. Like, and also the whole film is not really about the 50s, but about this crazy, like, it's not really comparable besides the decade yeah. it takes place in. But Diner is just single, single view of the world from a single group of characters. That's a hard movie to find nowadays. Even Dilettantes, like, what was our big purpose with it? It was to, like, make it relatable on both sides, yeah. understanding <clears throat> each character, even play it by ear is, like, exactly like that, like... I can't even think of any movies that are just solely women, like female point of views, like for female. Bridesmaids? No, not really. Because again, that's like a, there's a different element to that. Like, Girls Trip? Hangover is also like that, but not like a mumblecore movie that's just like, like essentially locker room talk for two hours. Well, maybe we just haven't found that movie. I just don't think those are made anymore. I don't know. But I have never seen a movie, I can't think of another movie that did it. Like that. Like a mumblecore movie that's all locker room talk. Mm. That's what this was. Yeah. You're, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm just trying to think if there is. And I can't think of anything at the moment, so. So be it. So be it. But I was saying top three in terms of what we've watched this season so far. Ooh. The not, yeah, maybe, not, maybe I need to be refreshed on what we watched not so overall. far. What like we, I'd say, it's I'd, I'd probably say it's three. If if I if it what, do what else did we watch? What, what else did we watch this season? Once Upon a Time in America, Ed Wood, Robin B Hood, Rob B Hood, sorry, um, Raging Fire, and Big Red One, and the Big Red One. Yeah, you know what? It might be close to number three just because it's there's not that much else on the <laughs> list yet. Uh, so far. So far, I think I would probably put Big Red One over this one. Interesting. But obviously, I, I, think, I think we both agree on the the top two. Yeah. Easily. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Raging Fire and Robin B. Hood. Yes. Easily. I'd say Robin B. Hood twice. Oh. And then, then, <laughs> and then Raging Fire. No, definitely. definitely. I, mean, I, I, just, I did really, I did enjoy Robin B. Hood. It's just stupid as shit, but it's, it's entertaining. <laughs> No, honestly, the two would definitely be Once Upon a Time in America and Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Which one do you think is better? I would rewatch Ed Wood more 
than I would Once Upon a Time in America, mostly because of length. Yeah, well, um, that's my question then. Do you, is, do you think that good movies are solely dependent on rewatchability? No, because Schindler's List is a great is a fantastic movie and people say you can only watch that once grant i've seen it three times but i can see that movie more than once i was thinking of the hunt yeah that's true Dude. i i have one to rewatch it but i can't bring myself to do it i'll do it with you we should do it together because like i want to too but i had to go for like a two mile walk after that movie like i, I literally screamed at the tv when i was watching it yeah there's this is not even an exaggeration like i genuinely had to leave my house and like walk because i was feeling thank you so thank much you. Um, company card. <laughs> um, I I had to leave my house. I called my mom. She's like, just leave the house if you're feeling down. And I was like, that's a really good idea. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't know if I was down when I watched it. I was still kind of fuming. The movie made me down at the end. Yeah. Just a, a <sighs> hopelessness for humanity <laughs> type that, of feeling. That's very true. But it's one of those movies that I can't recommend enough to people. It's like one of those, like, you need to, like, get a better glimpse of society and watch this movie. It just gave me a really good idea for our next episode. We have a couple episodes in the work I want to I pitch. Um, I definitely still want to do Wings of Desire, but I would like to do it with our guest if possible. So we do that a little later. Um, and I want to do a... Uh, soft Girls and Boys Club album. Uh, <laughs> Want to do a Soft Girls and Boys Club album uh, episode? Because like I don't know if you, I've been using their music a lot for our editing, and it's so good. It's pretty much the sound of the series. It's like I haven't used it yet, but I'm going to in the next episode I'm working on. It's really like I told Simon this. It's beachy. It's light. It's kind of like that sort of like sound I've always been pictured indie beach rock, but the way that. Tom has always described it. Indie beach rock with a little bit of dark undertones, like a bit more melancholic, thought-provoking lyrics and like themes. And that fits so well to our show because I was like, that's pretty much the show. I've always imagined the show being this light, like sort of indie, sort of beachy, surface level rom-com. But when you look at it a little deeper, you find some deeper tones and deeper themes that are in there. So that music just fits so nicely. But we should definitely do those two. But I would be really down to do a Thomas Vinterberg like watch party and then episode afterwards like instead we've been doing one movie per episode but I'd be really down to do maybe like a rewatch of The Hunt uh, another round and like maybe one other of his films like maybe Pusher I think he did Pusher didn't did he do the, the newer one um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like Mads Mikkelsen and a bunch of nerds like fighting. No, that's not him. That's not him. No, okay. I saw that movie too. I didn't know. It was, what? I didn't know. You didn't? It was pretty good. But no, I'd want to watch like... Is it Riders of Justice or something? Riders of Justice. Um, no, so like the, the whole Danish um, film world kind of built up after these like guys in the 90s, similar to the boys we're working with, so stay tuned, um, decided to just kind of rewrite how movies work in Denmark because at the time is all commercial based like very similar I think to Holland but don't quote me where things have to be approved by like a fund a film fund that's government um, financed and they basically say whether or not things can pass based off like what producers attached uh, if the movie's going to go into theaters how many visitors it will get um, they do like a couple art movies a year, but most of it, it's just like commercial stuff because a lot of people like in that country will just go to American movies. And Denmark just decided to, these guys got together and decided let's do something different. And they made these movies and they were just so critically acclaimed that now Denmark is like known for having some amazing films. And it's it's not Vinterberg, it's every... Yeah, every yes, yep, thank you. Every yeah, every Danish film honestly is probably just those two, unless I can't think of any others. But I've loved. They're great. Like their top as a whole. Scandinavian movies. films are fantastic, man. The uh, what's that movie that was with Julia Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell? The one about the ski? Oh, uh, um, downhill. Yeah, that's a that's an original. Force Majeure. Swedish film. I have a Finnish film, maybe. It's Nicholas Winden Wren. Uh, ref, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he's not. That's where Matt Mickelson got famous in that right. movie. 
Yeah. Um, let's look up quick Thomas Winterberg um, movies because I would definitely swing by your house, watch a couple, and then record if you'd be down. Or you don't yeah. like this idea? No, I do. I'm into it. The Celebration he did. The Commune. What's this one? My company did this one. I never saw it. 71. Seems okay. We'll figure it out, but I'd definitely be down to rewatch The Hunt and another round. Absolutely. Those are just... And I, I don't want to do it alone. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it alone. <laughs> What's this one? It's The Celebration. Uh, 91%, 1998. Maybe we do that one too. All right. Just a special like three piece because we've seen the other two. So we we'll do it entirely watching. speaking Danish. Translated? Three no. Yeah, translated. Not that was Thank perfect. You. Thank, Thank you. you. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but with like a really bad like AI voice. This one. Yeah, AI voice. <laughs> like Microsoft Sam. What? Obviously, we're just gonna get Matts to be on the podcast. And yeah, tell. he's not up to much. He's kind of falling off. Yeah, he's only just played uh, Grindelwald in a film, replacing Mr. John C. Depp. D- C. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his middle name is like Carnivore. Carnivore <laughs> Depp. <laughs> Uh, let me see which one's which. I don't know. What? Okay. Well, mine got ripped, so this is mine. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, How much you live in? I don't know. I, have a, I don't have a pen. <laughs> but overall, I would say watch Diner. Yeah? And that is my consensus. I would say you could skip it. I think it's worth a watch if you're interested. If you like any of these actors, I'm like, I would. Uh, yeah, that's why it's a, it's a cool movie to watch, just to kind of see like. The, you're, but the you're gonna have to roll your eyes through a lot of it. That's all I'm gonna say. He just doesn't like Baltimore. <laughs> it's not true at all. But thank you to North Ave Diner in Wakefield, Massachusetts, for letting us record. Yeah. And well, actually, our tab is paid, so it's time to go. Do they know that we were recording? Fuck. <laughs>